in, in, a, in a very uh, impactful way. And, um, you know, a lot of ministries do a theme for the year. And normally our theme for the year is determined ahead of time by whatever the Holy Spirit is leading us to, to study together and learn and, and, and grow up into Jesus, you know, together as a, as a family of faith. And um, personally, uh, and I don't mind sharing this with you, personally, the Lord began to speak to me in December that, that you know, he wanted 2023 to be the most productive year of my life so far. And so my, my mantra is stress-free productivity in 2023. Amen. And sometimes when I when I try to uh, be more productive, it, it equals more stress on me personally. And um, we see in scriptures this unique phenomenon that only God can produce in our lives. is It's, it's where we work from a place of rest. And, um, and so, amen. So that's my personal word and theme and something I've been focused on already this year. But the word of the Lord for us this year, uh, as far as what he spoke to me on Friday morning, is that it's time for a significant shift. That it's time for a significant shift. And so you're going to hear that expression some this morning and as our year unfolds. I, those of you who've been a part of this family of faith for a while, you know that, you know, it's, in other words, if I stand here and say the word of the Lord came to me, Amen. I'm, I don't just throw that around lightly. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that he speaks to me. So when I say the word of the Lord came to me, I'm, I mean like you know, pointedly, this is something I want you to um, begin to speak to, to and speak on and keep in front. Uh, anybody besides me could, you know, stand to experience a significant shift um, you know, maybe some areas in your life where you need some breakthroughs, some things that you want to see changed. We ended 2022 talking about giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, and we're continuing that as we've moved into 2023. But just anybody interested in a significant shift in your finances? See, again, now I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I like the way that sounds. I mean, obviously when, when the Lord it just bears witness in you when he speaks to you and then it'll line up with his word. And I asked him, I said, when you say significant shift, and this is how he showed it to me in the spirit. Sometimes we kind of chip away and ding away and make a little progress here. Sometimes it feels like, seems like, two steps forward, one step backwards. Not that we're not making progress, not not that things aren't changing or, or, or shifting, but but you know, it's it's time it's time for something very impactful uh, to not just move the needle a little bit, but for the needle to jump, amen. And there are Greek words even in the scriptures that talk about this version of growth where it's as if we're catapulted forward. And so I want you to begin to think along those lines in terms of a significant shift, amen. Now. As we begin that, and as it relates to what we've already been discussing, we'll kind of, with the Lord's help and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, we'll weave some of these things together. Think of it as a tapestry, amen, or as a puzzle, as Brother Donald was led by the Holy Spirit to, to share with us a couple of Wednesday nights ago. So let's begin here. A significant shift in our lives requires a significant shift in our thinking, a significant shift in our lives requires a significant shift in our thinking. And here is one thing that you really need to come to terms with, okay? Really need to, it's important now, listen to me. I'll, I'll go back to, um, I think it was either 2011, 2007. It, the reason I know it was one of those years is because it rhymed with heaven and, um, and so it was Days Like Heaven in 2011, I think, you know. And, uh, and so that was something that we said early and often throughout that year. Well, there were some folks in 2012 and beyond. They're like, well, Pastor Mark, you, you just missed it. You know, I, you know it, it wasn't Days Like Heaven for me and, and, and these sorts of things. Well, l- listen to me, please. Nothing in the Word of God that applies to you and your life personally is automatic. In other words, if, if, if you're looking for a significant shift in your life reality, 
but are not willing to do anything different than what you've been doing up until this point. Well, you know, Father is wanting to produce a significant shift in your life, but it comes back to your willingness to cooperate with Him to see what He desires for you to experience, to actually be experienced um, in your life. When we were singing that song a moment ago, He's worthy, He's worthy, He's worthy. And yes, he is. He's, he's worthy of anything and everything that, that we could offer him in a, in a positive way. But the one thing, the one thing more than any other thing that he wants you to decide he's worthy of is that he is worthy of your trust, that he is trustworthy. Amen. Is he praiseworthy? Yes. Is he thanksworthy? No, is, he, is he worthy of your thanks? Is he worthy of your praise? Is he, is he worthy of... Um, you know, all these other things that we, we want to give to the Lord, your love and all this, but, but is he worthy of your trust? Is he worthy of your trust? And my friend, he is trustworthy. So a significant shift in our lives requires a significant shift in our thinking. And if you're not willing to cooperate together with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God to experience a significant shift in your thinking, then the significant shift that Father God desires to produce in your life reality will never be realized or only limited realization in your life. Amen? Now, ways of thinking are pathways that lead us to a destination. And those of you who are listening on the podcast or are not looking at the screen overlays, the way the Lord... Again, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize these things, but the way he showed it to me in my mind was the word pathways with P-A-T-H lowercase and W-A-Y-S all uppercase, capital letters. Because the ways of God are pathways. The ways of man are also pathways. The word ways is is, um, an interesting word. It's one of those uh, words that it's hard to define without using the word you're attempting to define. And when we think of, of ways, we often think in terms of a way that you go or a way that you do something. And we often think of it in terms of either it's a way you do something or a way that you go. But in a biblical context, for instance, the ways of God, it's not either or, it's both and. In other words, the, the way you do something is leading you to a destination. Stay with me now. I'm not trying to get too, too deep on you, but the ways, ways of thinking are pathways that lead us to a destination. So is it the way you go or is it the way you do? It's the way you do is leading you, right? So if we continue to do things the way we've always done them, we're going to keep winding up at the same place that we've always wound up. Amen. So Isaiah says that God has a pathway for you that you've never been down before. And it's his way out for you. It's his way up for you. It's his way to a higher place of of life and, and living and fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction in your life. It that verse in the Old Testament parallels with the one that we see in I think it's 2 Corinthians 10 in the in the uh, New Testament where that God will always make a way of escape for you. He will always make a way of escape for you. But what we see when we combine these two verses together is that God's way out for you is a way that you've never traveled before. And if you're going to take a pathway that you've never been before, you're going to need somebody that you trust to lead you. Now, remember, Father God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. So when we talk about doing something different from the way we've always done it, looking at things from a different perspective than we've always looked at them, it's going to require, first of all, someone who can see something we can't see. Thank God that's our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit who lives within us and His Son, Jesus. Amen. But then as they begin to reveal this new pathway for us, we're going to have to trust them enough to follow them down it. We tend to continue to travel the same old ways of thinking, the same old ways of doing, because the familiarity 
gives us a sense of control over our lives. It gives us this sense of, 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 of being in control of things. We like things that are familiar. Anybody remember when you left your, the familiar stomping grounds of your elementary school and went up to the new middle school or high school, right? And how intimidating that was because now, you know, we're going to this new place. And not that we wanted to stay in elementary school for the rest of our lives, but given the opportunity in fifth grade, we may have chosen that, right? Because, but now we're being, we're being forced, literally, into a new environment, into, into a, a new location, into a new surroundings. And, and, and now we've got to, listen, I don't know who had the idea. By the time my kids were in school, they said, you know what? Bring them down here before school starts. Let them find their way around. Uh, not for us, man. There's, open that bus door and, you know, like cattle, out the door we go. You know, it's like, which door do we even go into? You know, trying to find our way around. So we like familiar because familiar gives us this sense of, and you know, listen, <laughs> this sense of control and actual, actually being in charge and in control are two entirely different things. This is why people stay in, in bad relationships because at least they know what to expect even if it's bad. Amen or oh me on that, okay? So <clears throat> notice now trust, remember the dilemma of trust is control. You, you can't trust God and be in control at the same time. So he's trying to show you a way out. He's trying to show you a way up. He's trying, to, he's trying to lead you into the life that he created and intended for you to live that, he, that it meant so much for him to him for you to have is that he literally uh, bled to death naked on a cross for you to have it. And so he's saying, come on with me. It's an upward call. But he can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. So ways of thinking are pathways that lead us to a destination. We're talking about a significant shift in our lives, and that significant shift, again, requires what? A significant shift in our thinking. So along these lines, wrong thinking will never lead you to the right place. Are, are you following me? I know that's so simple and obvious, but I just I'm, I, this is the way the Lord showed me to give it to you this morning, and this, this is where we're going to do it, okay? And so here's an example of this, and we see this in two places in Proverbs. It's in 14.12, Proverbs 14.12, and then repeated again in 16.25. When you have a verse that is deliberately repeated, you really need to pay attention. It's like in Matthew 16.19 and Matthew 18.18. In, in both of those verses, we see Jesus declaring that he has given to you and me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, be, be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. So given the precious nature of biblical real estate, if God sees fit to put the same verse in his holy book to you twice or more, amen, then we should really, really, really pay attention. And he's saying in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. I'm going to see if anybody can answer this question. There's, some, there's certain words that I've asked you to think of another word first. Not the only thing that it means, but, but there's a word that I've said. When you hear the word death, I want you to think first of this word. Anybody know what that word is? Shout it out. Separation. Death equals separation. See, when we think of death, we go to, you know, uh, someone losing their life or something along these lines. And what we see is that spiritual death is when your spirit separated from God's spirit. Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your body. And so when we read in the scriptures about, about death, it's not, death means more than separation, but separation is at the heart of it. And so notice when he says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You, you can take a wrong path for your life and your life end early. Your physical existence on this planet be cut short by doing things the wrong way. I'm not, I'm not saying that isn't an understanding that's being presented here, but I think if we would look at it from a broader perspective that death equals separation, meaning there is a way that seems right to you 
that the end of that way is going to carry you further and further away from God's highest and best life for you, not closer and deeper into it. Are you seeing that? It's, it's kind of like um, Brother Donald in his sermon Wednesday night uh, before last, when he's talking about laying down your life for your friends. See, we automatically think, you know, dying for somebody, physically dying for somebody. Well, again, there, there are folks that, that, that do that. Now, that was a conversation after church on Wednesday night. I'm sorry, I just remember him saying that recently. But, you know, the idea of actually choosing to be inconvenienced for someone else is laying down your life for them. So sometimes we, we look at these verses in, in their extreme, most extreme understanding and, and miss a practical application for our daily walk. So there's a way that you can go about things. There's a way that you can do things. There's a way that you can think about things that will actually separate you from the life that God has for you to live. Now here is an example in scripture of a significant shift. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11, often referred to as the love chapter, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is also the growing up chapter. Because our our ultimate uh, measure of growth and development in the things of God is our ability to love others the way he's loved us. So he gives us this very uh, definitive, very uh, uh, expansive definition of, of what love is and how love operates and, and what it looks like so that we can have it understood once and for all. But then he shifts over in to uh, this idea of our growing up. In 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, he says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, as it relates to God's ways of being and doing, and if you're a guest with us this morning or haven't been here in a few weeks, that's one of the things that we have really been focused on by the Holy Spirit is to look closer and deeper into God's ways of being and doing. And a lot of times we think of God's ways of doing and skip over His ways of being. And when we skip over God's ways of being and go straight to God's ways of doing, it skews God's ways of doing and it creates a wrong motivation which often leads people to try to do something in order to be something God has already made them. So we'll get some more of that here in in just a moment. But with that said, as you read and study the Scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, I want you to to become and start paying very close attention to to the word become or or became. Amen. And, And so here we see, but when I became a man, We're talking about a significant shift here from, you know, a child to a full-grown adult. So he's talking about a transformation in his being, where he went from being a child to being a man. And when he went from being a child to being a man, he is allowing and has allowed the Lord to help him transition from thinking like a child, understanding like a child, and speaking like a child. Because he doesn't be a child anymore. He bees a man. I know that's not good English, but it's good doctrine. Amen. He went from being one thing to being another. And now that he is something different from what he was before in his being, he, his thoughts, his understanding, and his speech is now catching up with who God made him to be. This word become means come to come to be. Amen. Come to be. And we have came to be some things. Amen. We have become some things by God's work of salvation in our lives. He has made us some things that we could never make ourselves. Amen. 
So he's talking here about a significant shift. Now, let's, let's break some of this down because I think this goes without saying, but let's say it anyway. As long as you speak, understand, and think like a child, you will behave like a child no matter how old you are. Amen. You can be a full-grown man or woman with children of your own and still think, understand, and speak like a child. And you're going to live like a child even though you're not a child anymore. You're an adult. So it's impossible to live like an adult as long as you think, understand, and speak like a child. That, that is at the heart of what he's talking about here. And so he's talking about a significant shift in, in two levels. The significant shift, first of all, is that he went from child to man. He became a man. And now that he has become a man, the next significant shift is to live like the man he has become. And in order to live like the man he has become, he's got to learn how to think like the man he has become. He's got to learn how to understand, process his, your understanding is the way you look at things, the way you see things. He's got to understand things now like, like a man, and like, an, like an adult. And, and, and then he's got to learn how to speak. Speak like the man he has become. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm trying to break this down for you to understand this. So the significant shift number one is going from child to man. Amen? In his being. He became something that he was not before. By the grace of God. The second now and, and related significant shift is in his thinking, understanding, and ultimately the way that is manifest in his life by the words that he speaks. So let me, let me just take this same concept of truth and give it to you in a, in a couple of different ways at least. Amen. So hopefully it will start registering with you a little more clearly. All right. So in the same way, it is impossible to live as the righteous man or woman you became through the new birth if you think, understand, and speak like someone who is still a sinner. Thank you for that amen. That one single amen. Let me keep going here. It's impossible to live as the free man or woman you became through the new birth if you think, understand, and speak like someone who is still a slave to sin. One of the, one of the greatest lies, and listen, I, I hate to ever give the devil props for anything, but one, one of the most significant and, and, and creative and destructive and influential lies that Satan has ever perpetuated on the body of Christ is this one. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That right there captures where a large portion of God's people are living every day of their lives. They have failed to make the significant shift. They still see themselves as being sinners who have been saved by grace, who are now trying to do right in order to make it to heaven one day. So, Pastor Mark, what's wrong with that? Everything's wrong with that. If you were a sinner and you've been saved by grace, you are not a sinner anymore. You became something through the salvation experience that you could never make yourself. You became a righteous man or woman of God. You became free from sin, never to be a slave to sin ever again. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is not something I earned. This is not something I deserved. This is not something that I did anything other than believe on Jesus to receive into my life. It's not about what I did to become right. It's about what was done for me in order to make me right before my Heavenly Father. Now that I have become righteous... The next significant shift is me learning how to think like a righteous man. Me learning how to understand and process what's going on in my life as a righteous man. That would include if as a righteous man I commit a sin. 
As a righteous man, I process sin as that was a mistake. It, is, it cannot separate me from God, but it can influence my fellowship with Him. But according to 1 John 1, 9, if I confess it, He's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But even if, 1 John, even if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. But if my heart does not condemn me, I have confidence towards God. Clear conscience, right? Now, that's how a righteous man or woman, one who knows who they be as a righteous man or woman of God, that's how we... we, we un- See, now, if, if you don't understand who you be, who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, when you commit a sin, you start trying to make excuses. Well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I'm still such a broken person, and, and thank God for God's mercy, and, and, you know, just poor old pitiful me, and somebody else kicked me because I'm hurting my leg, kicking myself, and just... See, so we, we wallow in it. We want pity from others because of it. We, we, and the devil's just sitting back laughing, laughing, laughing because he's done, all that time you spent wallowing in, in, in the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. You know what the Bible says about those who are in Christ Jesus? There is no condemnation. Just an old sinner saved by grace. You kind of have to, if you really want to say it right, you kind of have to shake your jowls. Let me show you. A sinner saved by grace. You kind of have to shake it, you know. Shake it out. See, that's, that's someone who's stuck between two positions. How long halts you between two positions? What did the Bible say about when we get stuck between two positions? The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. It paralyzes you. Can't make progress and hence no significant shift realized. Are you seeing this? All right, I got some more. Amen. You knew that though, didn't you? It's impossible to live as the whole man or woman you became through the new birth if you think, understand, and speak like someone who is still a broken person. Well, you know, we're just all broken people. No, we're not. No. I was broken. I was broken. But I am not broken anymore. I am not broken anymore. A significant shift took place when I was born again. I went from a broken man to a whole man. And now I'm learning how to think, understand, and speak like someone who is whole, not someone who's broken. It's impossible to live as the victorious and overcoming man or woman you became through the new birth if you think, understand, and speak like someone who's still a victim. Listen, we've all been through stuff. Some in this room have been through a whole lot more than others in this room. Some in this room have been through a whole lot more than five people's junk combined have been through in this room. And I'm not trying to make light of that or diminish that. But at some point, we have to draw the line in the sand and say, I am a victor, I am not a victim. I am whole, I am not broken. I am righteous, I am not a sinner. At some point, we have to say, a significant shift took place. You do realize Jesus is a Savior, right? You say, well, Pastor Mark, I struggle with this, and I have this problem, and I have this issue. Good news! We got somebody who can rescue us from that. We, we have a Savior who can rescue us from every kind of tendency, every kind of leaning, every kind of predisposition, every kind of sensual, sexual appetite, every kind of vice, every kind of issue, every kind of problem, every kind of weakness, every kind of emotional difficulty, every kind of mental difficulty. We've got a Savior! He came to save us! impossible to live as the blessed and rich man or woman you became through the new birth if you think, understand, and speak like someone who is still cursed and impoverished. Well, you know, Pastor, I just, I come from a family of broke people and my granddaddy was broke and my great-granddaddy was broke. I've heard tell that even his 
great-granddaddy was poorer than the slaves that, that were there picking cotton in his little old country town. And, you know, we just came from nothing. I ain't got nothing, never will have nothing. And, you know, again, all these are, are mindsets and attitudes. You know, I mean, just best we can hope for is have enough money for the month. And, and you know, it's just, I'm just happy. You know, I'm just, just, con- yeah, see, no. No. A significant shift. See, he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could come to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's grace. Amen? That's grace. That's 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says in the same way, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know it? Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because to listen to a lot of people who say they know it talk, they don't know it. So, Pastor Mark, that sounds very judgmental. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You never know what somebody's thinking. According to Jesus, you do. Just listen to them. Just listen to them. You say, well, that, that, that that just sounds hard. I'm not being harsh. I'm trying to help you. The counselors that I've had the opportunity and honor and privilege to, to, to train and teach and speak into their lives over the last 20 years or so, one of the first things I tell them is you've got to become a good listener. A lot of people who counsel are called to teach and preach, and somebody comes and sits down, and they say three sentences out of their mouth, and all of a sudden we want to shut them down and preach them a sermon. That's not counseling. The Bible says that the answers, a counselor, this is my job as a counselor. It's to help you draw your own answers out of the well of your own innermost being. I'm here to tell you what you, just what you, just what you need to do here. Just, okay, go do this and you'll be fine. No. The Bible says the answers are in you, and a man of understanding is able to draw those things out of you like water from a well. Are you seeing me? So how do you do that? You listen. You listen to what people are saying. Because eventually, <laughs> more times than not, more times than not, they will say their own answer. They just aren't hearing themselves say it. Have you ever said, well, I need to fill in the blank, right? Oh, man, I need to. I need to. <laughs> okay. Then how can, how can we do what we already know we need to do? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he says in, where are we? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Do you see it's the, it's the same? He became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. He became your poverty so that you could become, come to be rich. I'm getting quiet on you. You don't know the grace. Now, let me talk to you for a minute. I know we're getting close to time. You good? You still good? Can you stand a few more minutes? All right. Let's go back to it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we are. I want to skip down to the other stuff, but we've got to lay the foundation. Can you come back and hear some more of this? Because there's a lot of this, okay? All right. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to focus for a moment because as many times as I've taught on this verse, I've really given you a very, I guess, I don't say shallow, but limited understanding of conformity. And the idea behind something being conformed is, you know, think of my grandsons playing with their Play-Doh 
they're applying pressure to it to, from the outside to form it into something different. All right? Now, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. The outward pressure of this world to try and reform or conform you is powerless to change what only God can change in your innermost being, your spirit. But the pressure of the world around you, the pressure of the world around you, if you allow it to be, can be highly effective on the way you think, which influences the way you feel, which influences the way you choose your soul, is your mind, emotions, and will, your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices. So what's going on in the world around you, that's what the devil uses. Remember, he can't mess up your life unless you cooperate with him. If your mind is ever changed. I'm, can I just do a hard stop right now because I skip this part and the Holy Spirit just keeps saying, you need to say this, you need to just keep prompting this. I'm going to say this, okay? A significant shift in your thinking, okay? Significant shift in your life reality requires a significant shift in your thinking. A significant shift in your thinking is something that you must cooperate with God in seeing it come to pass. He is not going to put you to sleep and produce a significant shift in your thinking, reprogram your mind, and you wake up and think differently. Are you following me? Now, you can go to bed praying in tongues and confessing the word of God, amen, and he will certainly, you've got to give him something to work with. So when we talk about a significant shift in our thinking, we're talking about some effort to do this. Are you hearing me? We're talking about a deliberate, intentional action that begins with recognizing when our thinking is wrong. The Lord will help you with this, but he will not do it without your cooperation. So if we're going to experience a significant shift in our life, reality, and experience, it requires a significant shift in our thinking. This means there is something that you and I are going to need to do consistently. Amen. Are you following me? In order for this significant shift in our thinking to take place. When you fought like a child and understood like a child and taught like a child for 40 years, you, you, you <laughs> ooh, 50 years, I'm not trying to make you mad. It begins with, Father God, forgive me, help me here. I can't believe I've acted so insecurely. I can't believe I've, I've thought and understood things so childishly. Okay? So if, Repentance, anybody remember what repentance means? Metanous, Greek word, new condition of mind. So we have to, we have to identify the, the inaccurate thinking. Here, here's, it's deeper in my notes, but let me say it this way. <clears throat> have you ever accidentally turned the wrong way down a one-way street today? <laughs> Glad you're with us, brother. Amen. And thankfully, we realize that all of those lanes have cars in them, and they're all coming at me. What's wrong with them? And then it's like, oh! And we shoot for a parking lot or the curb or start flashing our lights or whatever, right? wrong way what about wrong way thinking trying to live God's best life for you with wrong thinking about being and doing is like turning the wrong way down a one way street everything he's got for you is that way and all of your thinking is carrying you that way. Now, 
the, and I even, I don't know why I'm even giving you this part, but let me just, some of the most influential, impactful, significant shifts in my thinking. I've been walking with the Lord now for almost 50 years. And I've always believed God was good. I know for a lot of folks that that represents a very significant shift in their thinking when they realize, hey, you know what, God's actually for me. He's good. I've always believed that. I never understood when people would talk about God doing mean and horrible and even devilish things to people. They just, thank God, thank God that, you know, my parents taught me that and the church I was raised in taught me that. And so later, when other denominations would try to tell me different, it just, that, so that's important. That would be a very significant shift if you're listening to me right now and you don't think God is for you. (laughs) Amen. He's for you. Amen. Another very significant shift in my thinking involves the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there was a time in my life when I didn't think it was for today or for God's people today and until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 12 years old and began to speak in unknown tongues. And I learned then that an experience beats an argument. Even though I didn't know how to explain it from the Scriptures, I knew what had happened to me. But I believe, and the Lord can correct me later, but I believe the absolute most impactful, influential shift in my entire walk with the Lord has been the shift that He helped me make involving His ways of being and doing. For many, many years of my walk with the Lord, I labored and struggled going the wrong way down a one-way street Believing that what I did determined who I was. That my doing is what determined my being. And that the only hope I ever had of being righteous was if I could somehow figure out how to obey every command and do righteousness every day of my life. Are you following me? This... I wish I had two more hours. I could, not, I could, anyway, praise God. I want you to hear me this morning. This is one of the most, if you're a born-again believer, a spirit-filled believer, and you believe God is good, God, okay, then I believe what we're talking about right now is the most significant shift you could ever make in your thinking. I'm skipping over a lot of stuff here. Tell you what, why don't you stand with me this morning? Just stand with me. Praise God. We'll end it right here. I sometimes see you guys take out your cell phones and snap a picture of one of these. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. If you've got a cell phone, I want you to do that. All right. Or if you write things down, whatever you do. Amen. Jesus came to make you something you could never make yourself. And through the new birth, He made you. He made you. You be. You're being. In Him we live and move and have our being. He made you free, righteous, blessed, healed, and whole. I am free. I am righteous. I am blessed. I am healed. And I am whole. I'm not a slave trying to do enough good to get free. I'm not a sinner trying to do enough right to be righteous. I'm not a cursed man trying to figure out how to 
weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Maybe my luck will change one day. No, listen to me. It has nothing to do with luck. I'm a blessed man. I think like a blessed man. I understand like a blessed man. And I speak like a blessed man. I don't care if a jar of mayonnaise goes to $17 and you have to pay $25 for a dozen eggs. I am a blessed man and I will always have enough mayonnaise and eggs for my wife to make me some egg salad. Because I'm blessed. I'm blessed. A blessed man understands inflation differently from a man who doesn't know he's blessed. I'm blessed. Because I'm blessed, doesn't matter what's going on around me. Lot sent Abraham out into this desert. God, God's blessing on Abraham didn't have anything to do with whether the grass was green or not. What was going on around him? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and has no sorrow with it. That's one of the, that's one of the reasons that God has made you blessed. Is he wants the world to look at you and see that God still blesses God's people. I am free. I am righteous. I am blessed. I am healed. I am whole. Not because of anything I did, because of what he did. Are you seeing this? See, now this is the significant shift. Where we go from thinking we got to do something to be these things. See, that's somebody who doesn't know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That although he was rich, he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That although he was the spotless, sinless son of God, he hung on a cross and was made your sin so that you might become His righteousness. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this? So the significant shift, if you're born again, has already happened. But the devil has fought you tooth and toenail to keep you from ever thinking like a free, righteous, blessed, healed, and whole man or woman. From ever understanding, having the perspective on things as someone who is free, righteous, blessed, healed, and whole. How many drug tests do you have to pass before you believe you're free? Got nothing to do with passing or failing a drug test. Whom the Son makes free shall be free in His performed action. Because He made me free, I can live free. Because He made me righteous, I can live right. Because He made me blessed, I can live a blessed life. Because He made me healed, I was, by His stripes you were healed. Because He made me healed, sickness can't stay on me. I'm not a sick man trying to get healed. I'm a healed man. So if I wake up and snot's coming out my nose and, my, and I feel like I've swallowed a razor blade in the night and I've got a fever... Oh, I'm sick, I'm sick. No, no, I'm a healed man. I understand this. I have a different perspective on this now. And I speak differently about it. See, somebody who doesn't know the grace of God as it relates to being healed, you like cough twice. You okay? Yeah, I'm trying to come down with something. Why are you trying to come down with something? Why? Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Father, how you love us. We declare a significant shift, Father. 2023 will be a year of significant shift for this family of faith, for this church as a whole, and for the individual families and members of this family, Lord, that make it up. We declare it so, Father. It's your desire. Matter of fact, you said it's time for a significant shift. And Lord, we receive that word this morning. 
we write it down. It's simple, but we're writing it down so we can run by it. Father, we're going after, with your help, a significant shift. We are expecting a significant shift. Those who wait upon the Lord, Lord, the literal translation is those who expect upon the Lord will pass to power. We are expecting more in 2023 than we can produce on our own, Father. A significant shift in our relationships, a significant shift in our homes and families, a significant shift in our finances, a significant shift in our marriages, a significant shift in our, in our parenting and in our being parented, a significant shift in our, in our careers, a significant shift in our mental health, a significant shift in our emotional health. A sig- Lord, a significant shift all across the boards, we declare it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, your word will not return void as long as it's returned to you. And so I pray that as we leave this room this morning, that significant shift and the things that you've spoken to our hearts will be, Lord, not just fresh in our hearts and minds, but Lord, that we will begin to speak and declare. Look at me for a moment. Look at me for a moment. I'm fixing to say amen. Just look at me for a moment, okay? Start declaring a significant shift. Start declaring a significant shift. Are you hearing me? Start declaring it. Praise God. This year is a significant shift in my income. Significant shift. Start declaring it. Start speaking it. We spout out, his word will not return void. But if you look at what he's saying there, it has to be returned. He speaks his word to us, but in order for it to to produce the results that he sent it forth in our lives to produce, to prosper and accomplish, it has to be returned back to him. We return it back to him the same way he sent it to us. He spoke it to us, we speak it back to him. You need a significant shift in your health this year. Significant shift in your physical health. Let me see your hands. Significant shift in your physical health this year. Father, you see these hands. You see these hands, Father. We declare healing, Father. Manifest healing. In the same way, Father, that, that, that the, the wisdom that's, that you've placed in a man is brought out of that man by another man of understanding. Father, I thank you that healing is manifesting because, Lord, we're not the sick trying to get healed. We're not the infirm looking for answers, Father. We, we are the healed receiving the experience and the expression, the manifestation of healing in our physical bodies. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning.